thank you, uh, Pastor Gary. Um, it's always hard coming up when someone's talked you up like that. It's like, yes, I am awesome. Thank you, Pastor Gary. <laughs> I, um, it's, it's awesome to be here and, and Pastor Jane as well. Thank you so much. You know, I kind of feel like, um, you know, it's part of the family. Like, I'm not a visitor. I'm, you know, I feel comfortable. I feel at home here. I've been heckled by candy already. So, you know, I'm feeling good. Um, and it's great to have Pastor Keith and Pastor Wendy here. Um, we love you guys. And, uh, you know, I grew up in a small town called Sejuna in the West Coast. And uh, Pastor Keith was coming over and visiting and Pastor Wendy for many, many years. Um, so, yeah, it's good to see you. We love you guys so much. Good stock. Thank you. Thank you. So, um, Pastor David and Donna send, uh, send their love and regards. It's actually Pastor Donna's 40th birthday today. So, um, they're having, we should have got cake here as well, but they're having cake. Um, oh, we've got cake. It's uh, in the cafe, $2 a piece. No, just... <laughs> Um, as you eat your cake today, just do it in remembrance of Donna, <laughs> uh, of her birthday. So, um, yeah, I remember I've been married 17 years and uh, 18 in January. And I remember when Sarah married into my family. And, um, you know, when you marry into a family, there's the good part of the family. There's the, you know, and there's, then there's the crazy uncle. And, you know, so I feel like I'm coming here today as maybe the crazy uncle. I don't know. Um <laughs> Pastor David would be the cool guy, you know, um, so you, you'll get to meet, you know, a few of us over, over the next few months, you meet the team, um, and we're, we're, all, we're all so excited at, at Modbury to have um, you guys partnering with us and to be able to see um, this area one for the kingdom of God, because, you know, we don't just come together, we don't just meet together because it's a good idea, I don't just go to church because um, it gives me something to do on a Sunday, But I honestly believe that we have a mission, we have a mandate, and that is to see this area one for the kingdom of heaven, to see lives changed, to see lives turned around, to see people walking in the fullness and the the calling and the destiny of heaven over their lives. And so we're really excited, you know, we're excited to see what's going to happen here. We're excited to see what, um, as families come together, we can do so much more together than we can on our own, and we're really, we're, we're just so excited, um, and uh, I'm glad I can be here, because Pastor David just doesn't stop talking about Mount Barker and how much he loves you guys, so I'm, I'm glad I can be here, and we can join in, we can, we can chat together, um, so it's great to be here, so uh, the, the timer just finished, so it just got down to zero seconds, so I'm done, Pastor Gary, <laughs> thank you so much, it's been a real pleasure. See you at EXO Conference. Um, <laughs> ah, fantastic. Um, well, let's get into it. Let's pray and then we'll, uh, we'll get moving. Holy Spirit, we thank you for your presence here with us. We thank you that you've been with us from the moment we walked through the door right to this point. And we pray that you minister today, that your presence would be strong, your presence would be powerful, and that we would enjoy your company this morning. Thank you, Father. Holy Spirit. You know, let's ne- never get familiar with the presence of the Holy Spirit. Sometimes it's easy to move on and move on to the next thing. We've got things to do, people to see, we've got to get through, the roast's on at home, we've got to get out of here. But sometimes the Holy Spirit just wants to do something and sometimes he just wants to move. And, and I feel like he wants to do something today. Right. Amen. Amen. Yeah. 
title of my message this morning is Victory at the Well, and I'm reading from the book of John, starting in chapter 4 um, and in verse 7. Soon a Samaritan woman came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Please give me a drink. He was alone at the time because his disciples had gone into the village to buy some food. The woman was surprised for Jews refused to have anything to do with Samaritans. She said to Jesus, you are a Jew and I am a Samaritan woman. Why are you asking me for a drink? Jesus replied, if you only knew the gift God has for you and who you are speaking to, you would ask me and I would give you living water. But sir, you don't have a rope or a bucket, she said, and this, is a, this well is very deep. Where would you get this living water? And besides, do you think do you think you're greater than our ancestor Jacob who gave us this well? How can you offer better water than he and his sons and his animals enjoyed? Jesus replied, anyone who drinks this water will, be, will soon become thirsty again, but those who drink the water I give will never be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh bubbling spring within him and giving them eternal life. Please, sir, the woman replied, give me this water, then I'll never be thirsty again, and I won't have to come here to get water. Go and get your husband, Jesus told her. I don't have a husband, the woman replied. And Jesus said, you're right. You don't have a husband, for you've had five husbands, and you aren't even married to the man you're living with now. You certainly spoke the truth. Where this portion of Scripture takes place is Jesus has just been in Jerusalem and uh, he got a bit rowdy in the temple and overturned some tables, kicked out the, uh, the, the, the sellers and, and all the animals and he's come in and he's made a fuss and then um, it gets to a point where John the Baptist is there and he's baptising people and Jesus and his disciples are baptising people and the Pharisees are starting to build this rivalry between the two groups, the John the Baptist and his disciples and Jesus and his disciples. And so in order to avoid confrontation, Jesus makes the decision to go back up to Galilee. Now, Galilee is in the northern section of Israel. If you think of Israel at the time, the Roman uh, government had split it up into three sections. We had Judea at the bottom, which is where Jerusalem was, then Samaria in the middle, and then Galilee at the top. And the Jews would walk around Samaria. They'd take the long route um, to get to Galilee. But Jesus had made the decision to walk straight through uh, to, get to, Galilee, to get back home to Galilee. And, and Jesus meets this woman, and it's the middle of the day, the warmest part of the day. And the way that that would work normally is that the, the ladies would come out and they'd get the water, but they'd do it in the cool of the evening. And it was kind of like a a social event, just like going down to, you know, the cafe and getting your local, getting your coffee or whatever it is and having a chat. You know, that's kind of what it was like, a social event. They'd all come out in the cool of the evening. But this woman had come out in the middle of the day. The middle of the day was the warmest part of the day. It was a hot, arid, dry place. It's not freezing cold and wet like Mount Barker can be. But it was the hottest part of the day and that's where she meets Jesus. You know, she's kind of doing... This thing, in like a little, it's a little bit of a walk of shame in, in, in some regards. She's wanting to just keep her head down and just make her way to that well, get the water that she needs and get home. Hopefully no one spots her. Hopefully no one sees her. Hopefully no one asks her any questions. You know, she just wants to avoid people. 
And it was kind of like me on Friday night. My daughter goes to youth on Friday nights and my uh, Isla and Amelia had a friend over and they were playing and so Sarah and I wanted to get Ty. Um, but I'd already changed into uh, my trackies and I was in my home clothes. And uh, the, the local Thai place, Bangkok Boulevard, it's like a little bit, a little bit fancy. Um, and so you've got to walk in through all the fancy people and pick up your takeaway tie. And I had my bed socks on. And so I just put my shoes on over the top and pulled the, 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 the pants leg down and thought, it's fine, no one will notice. Uh, it'll be fine, no one will notice. But I did that, kind of walked in, you know, hopefully no one from church sees me, no one of my friends see me. Um, I'm in my daggy clothes and, uh, and I grab my food and I'm out and I'm kind of like doing that, you know, I'm out. And then I get home and Sarah said, I thought you were going to change your bed socks <laughs> and they were all out and I had... Uh, bed socks everywhere. I was just completely, uh, completely disgraced myself um, in the middle of a beautiful five-star restaurant. So it's fantastic. Um, but it's kind of like what this woman is. She's trying to get in and out, trying to get back to, um, back to her home, get what she needs without actually drawing any attention to her. And Jesus looks, uh, takes that moment and he looks into her heart and he pulls apart uh, her life in just a couple of sentences. You see, she'd been through husband after husband, marriage after marriage, and in that day uh, it was the husband that could divorce the wife. So it's not like she'd chosen to leave, but husbands had left her, five in total, and the man she was living with wasn't her husband. So she'd been going through cycles of looking for peace, looking for security, looking for happiness, looking for joy. She'd find it in her husband, and then after a little period of time, that would end and she'd go back to dry, to barren, to empty. She'd find another man, she'd find another husband and then she would go through that same cycle again and she would end up back where she belongs. And you know, in life we can be like that as well. We go through cycles, we're all looking for the same thing and eternity has gone, gone on and humanity hasn't changed. We're still looking for peace. We're still looking for security. We're still looking for joy. And we think that sometimes we find it maybe in our employment and in our job and we find a sense of peace and a a moment of of sanity and tranquility, but then something happens and it gets upended. We can find it in our family or in our kids or we can find it in in alcohol or, or sport or whatever it is. We all have something that we end up trying to find peace and security and happiness in, but ultimately it leaves us empty because none of those things can replace the goodness and the grace of God in our lives. You see, Jesus in all of his ministry, in all of his time here on earth, he never pointed anyone to a program. He never said, hey, go to Alpha. He never said, hey, go to the community playgroup. He never said, join the footy club. He never said, get to AA. Jesus' main message in his life and everything that he spoke and said was about him. He says, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He didn't say that a program would fix you. He didn't say that, that the sporting club or the, or the pub or, or whatever it is is going to be your ultimate source of joy and happiness. He says, I am. He says, I am. He says, come to me. And that was Jesus' main message and his only message. 
You see, the same way that a water in the well gives, gives, gives life to a barren land and it, gives us thir- it fills our thirst and that water fills, um, it keeps our animals and our stocks alive and it keeps the crops growing. In the same way that water brings life, God brings life into our life. You see, Jesus is the well, but the Holy Spirit is the water. And it's through him that we have power to live a life of power and of victory. You know, it goes on to say in John chapter 7, a bit further down, anyone who is thirsty may come to me. Anyone who believes in me may come and drink. For the scriptures declare rivers of living water will flow from his heart. When he said living water, he was speaking of the spirit who would be given to everyone believing in him. But the Spirit had not yet been given because Jesus had not entered into his glory. You know, it says in Acts 1 verse 8 that you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. You know, it's not power just to survive life. It's not power just to sit in that same cycle of, of uh, high highs and low lows, of complete fulfillment and then utter emptiness But Jesus comes and the Holy Spirit is given to us so that we can have power and victory, not just to survive, but to thrive. That we can have victory in our health, victory in our finances, victory in our family, and victory in our workplace. You know, you might be in a place where you're dry, where you're thirsty, where you're coming up against obstacle after obstacle. You might have anxiety, you might have fear, you might have no peace in your life this morning. I want to look at three keys to living in victory. If you're taking notes, my first point this morning, to live a life of victory, we need to dig the well. You know, Jacob's well is, you can still go there and visit it today. It's about 50 kilometers north of Jerusalem. um, And it was built 2,000 years prior to this encounter. It was, wasn't built with modern tools and technologies. It wasn't built with a, I don't know, what, a crane and a jackhammer. You know, it's 41 metres deep. It's 41 metres down. And Jacob and his men had to build that with their bare hands, with the tools that they had. You know, 2,000 years ago, Jesus was meeting the woman at the well. 2,000 years before that, Jacob was building the well. I don't know what sort of tools they had, Pastor Gary, 4,000 years ago. Can you duck down to your local Bunnings? Uh, in the Jerusalem bunnos and, and get a sausage and then forget why you're there. You know, and you can read about the digging of the well. It comes in Genesis chapter 33. Jacob had, um, had, a, had a falling out with Esau, his brother. They'd um, kissed and made up and then Jacob came back to, back to Israel or to the land and, and this is where he re-dug that well. And that well was dug by Jacob so that his family, his flock... Uh, his crops could all have water and all have life. You know, the land there is, is dry. There's limited water. Wells were dug, but wells were essential for life and for the community. The thing about a well is they take time to dig. You know, the average person can, they say, last for three days without water. Um, as I'm talking about water, I'm already getting thirsty. So... The average person can last three days without this before they end up meeting their maker or not. 
Um, depending on the decision they've made. The average person can last three days. The average well takes a lot longer than that to build. So you've got to dig wells in the good times. You've got to dig wells when, when, when you're not thirsty. So that they're there for the dry times. They're there for the hard times. If you wait until you're thirsty to start digging a well, the well won't be dug in time to give you the water that you need. And it's the same in our lives. We need to dig wells of prayer, dig wells of, of faith, dig wells of generosity so that when life gets hectic and when life goes a little bit crazy, like we've seen over the last couple of years, that we're able to draw on the fresh water that will give us life. You know, the COVID-19 pandemic and all of its craziness that's associated with it and the government restrictions and the shutdowns and Everything has sent so many people into a tailspin. It sent a lot of pastors into a tailspin as well. Like, what are we going to do? I now have to be stuck at home with my family. Um, I'm not used to that. Uh, you know, a lot of people lost their jobs. A lot of people uh, had relationship breakdown. You know, it was a really, really tough time. And we all lived through it. And we all was, had at some element of fear and anxiety and you know, we think back about it now and, and it was, you know, it's all kind of a little bit funny. I was thinking we came up for a drive to um, the hills, our family, and we love coming up here. And we stopped at the Bridgewater Mill to let the kids have a play in the playground there. And they had all that security tape around it. You couldn't play on the playgrounds. They'd lock down the playgrounds. The kids couldn't even get on for a swing. They'd put the police tape everywhere. And it was it was a crazy time. But it's in those times that we're, we need to be able to be ready to draw upon the wells that we've dug in the bad times. You know, Jacob dug his well 41 metres down. It's through rock, through stone, through compact limestone, and they dug it with just hand tools and brute strength. You know, that's not an easy task. But when you realise that the water that you need for life is down there. You'll do whatever you need to do to get to that water. When you realise the thing that you need to survive is underneath all of that hard rock and all of that hard work, then we are willing to put in the hard work that we need to see that water ready to go. You know, it's like us in our lives. Sometimes it can be hard to dig wells of prayer. Sometimes it can be hard to dig wells of faith and to be faithful and to be continue to be generous and continue to believe that our husbands will be saved or to continue to believe that our marriage will be restored or to continue to believe that, that, that all your finances are going to come together and work together for the good. But when we choose to sacrifice, when we choose to put Jesus first, when we choose to get up every morning and pray and give time to God, when we choose to remain faithful in our church attendance and in our tithing, when we choose to remain close to the well, every time we do that, we're digging the well a little bit deeper. You know, anything in life that's worth anything, that has a little bit of value attached to it, requires work. The greater the value, the greater the work that is required. You know, you wouldn't believe it, but, um, you know, I was a, I was a, I was a stellar f- footballer um, for the Sejuna Football Club growing up. And uh, I wasn't, I wasn't. Um, I, played, I played, in the, uh, played in the under-16s, then played a couple of years in B grade. And I really played football just because all my mates played and, uh, and, 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 and I just wanted to be with my mates, right? So, you know, football is really hard. You've got to train twice a week. And it's in the middle of winter. 
when it's cold and wet and raining and it's not a nice place to be. And then you play games and, and sometimes you're standing out on an open field in little shorts and it's raining and it's cold and you're just standing there and the ball's always up the other end and you just get... F- it's, it's, all, it's horrible. <laughs> you look at the top elite AFL players though and they're, they're willing to put in the hard work because, because they know the reward that's coming. Yeah, I would see lots of guys, and, and we still do see lots of families. And they, you know, they'll, we'll have our kids at football training twice a week. I'll sacrifice my time, and I'll go out of my way to be there. We'll be at their game. We'll 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 put everything aside, and we'll lay everything down to be able to make sure our kid is able to play football or netball or whatever it is. But the reality is, is there's a 99.9% chance your child isn't going to make it to an elite level in sport. I mean, every now and then there's the exception. But the reality is, is it's about a 98.5% chance your child won't be in church when they're 18. You know, sometimes we, we're able to put down the hard yards for these things, but when it comes to matters of eternity, we've got to be able to be willing to dig the well that... Even when it's a little bit cold, even when it's raining, even when uh, I'm feeling uncomfortable or tired or even when I don't feel like it, I'm going to get up, I'm going to get my Bible out, I'm going to read, I'm going to get up, get my family together and we're going to church. Why are we going to church? Because that's what we do. Because I want to be in a place where my kids are going to survive and thrive. You know, it's the, the, the wells that you're digging aren't for you, but they're for generations to come. You know, I, my, my, my grandma in, in 1972, my, my dad was living in Cooperpedia and my, my grandparents were, were in, um, in Adelaide. And uh, my, my, my dad was living in Cooperpedia and Granny went for a trip and took a friend and they went up to Cooperpedia to see my dad. And um, her and her friend in, in 1972, Cooperpedia, I don't imagine it's the most um, attractive place in 1972, but they're walking down the main, the main drag of, of, of Cooperpedia and, and my grandma's friend sees this young man and he's, just, he's literally lying in the gutter, passed out. And she says, she says to my granny, she says, I feel sorry for the mother of this young man. And that young man was my dad. Um, my dad was an alcoholic and, and he was living up there but he was, he was just riding himself off and you know, not in secret, like he was... He, he would literally pass out in the street. So my grandma went back. This is 1972. She went back and every, every day, because my dad would go back every now and then and still go home and she would, she would pray over his bed. She'd plead the blood over his bed frame. She'd call him home. She'd call him into the kingdom. For two years she did this. For two years she prayed for my dad. Every single time she prayed, she's digging a well. She's digging a well. She's digging a well. She's digging a well. She's not drawing from the well, but she's digging the well. And then one day, they were at Clamsig AOG, and, and my grand, grandparents brought um, this, this young lady home from church on a Sunday. And uh, my dad happened to like the, the look of this young lady who was there at the time. And they were all going back for church that night. And so dad said, oh, I'll go to church Sunday night. Um, it's not the best evangelism strategy, but hey. My dad walks into Clamsig AOG, he sits at the back with his arms folded and, and, and by the end of that service, he was, he was saved, right. he was healed from his alcoholism right. and he was filled with the Spirit of God. Yeah. So my grandma, yeah, come on, it's God gets the glory. 
So my grandma keeps praying though because my granny was a prayer warrior and she kept on praying and kept on praying. In 1990, my dad moved to Sejuna and, and the family and we planted the church there, the ACC, AOG church there. And he's still there to this day, still leading and still pastoring that church. My brother's a pastor. I'm a pastor. You know, the, my grandma was digging wells, digging wells, <clears throat> digging wells over year after year after year. And I, I now... <clears throat> I now walk, I now walk, <clears throat> Mimi, this happens every now and then, I now walk and I drink from wells that my grandma dug, wells that my grandma dug in the, dug in the 70s, wells that my grandma dug in the 80s, I now live and I drink from the wells that my grandma dug in, in, in prayer, in faith. In generosity. But my job isn't just to leave it, leave it like that. I've got to be digging wells for my children. I've got to be digging wells for my grandchildren. You know, one day in 50, 60 years, I want my great-grandkids to say that I'm drinking from the well that my great-grandfather dug. I'm not going to leave it just as where I am because I'm not digging a well just for myself. I'm digging it for my family. Every time that you get up and pray, every time that you pray over your children, every time that you believe good things for your husband or for your wife, every time that you do something in obedience, even though you don't feel like it, you're digging a well and you're not just digging the well for you. You're digging it for your family. You're digging it for your kids. You may not see hope. You may not see, uh, you may not see how this is all going to work out. But just know that you're digging the well. My grandma, year after year, when my dad was literally lying in a gutter, drunk, so many times he could have died. And in an instant, he was saved and changed and transformed. And if he can do it for my grandma, Stella, McElwraith, he can do it for you too. The well you dig today, the wells in the spirit, the wells of worship, in the Word and in His presence, not only will they refresh you, but they'll continue to be wells of refreshing for generations to come. What we're doing here today, you know, you're faithfully here. There are people here that have been faithfully been serving this church for years and years and years. You know, there are going to be people that are going to get saved in this church. We don't know their name. We don't know their story. But they're going to get saved because of the wells that you've dug. There are people that have been in this room and they've been crying over every seat saying, Lord, fill this chair. Fill this chair with someone who doesn't know you. Encounter them with your presence and your peace. Lead them to salvation. Lord, we pray for Mount Barker. We pray, Lord God, that your name would be glorified. We pray, Father, that every person would come to know you. Every time we do it, we're digging a well. And there are going to be families that are going to be restored. There are going to be children coming back to parents. There are going to be husbands coming back to wives. There are going to be people that are going to be saved because of the wells that we dig here in this building. The first key to living in a life of victory, we need to dig the well. Secondly, we need to live at the well. Oh my goodness, I just saw the time. 11.18. What time does the coffee machine go on, Pastor Gary? It's already on. Oh, okay. Keep moving. We need to live at the well. You know, I grew up in Sejuna. Sejuna is one of those places. It's right on the beach, but it's in the middle of the desert. It's a, it's a real confusing place. Yeah, the biggest, the trees there are kind of like up to, up to my head. Like there's just that low level scrub. There's nothing really there. 
Um, they call it an oasis in the desert, but it's not really. I mean, there's a, they have an OTR there now, so there you go. There's a Hungry Jacks. Um, so June is a, see, when you live in the desert, right, when you live in the country, you live life a little bit differently. I remember my dad had this massive water container. It would have been 20 litres uh, that he would keep in the back of the car because you never know, right? You never know when you're going to need water. Um, the thing about that water container is that it, um, I don't know if it ever got changed. You know, it would have been 20 years old and that water was probably 20 years old as well. Um, you know, you can't go very far from the water source. You've got to keep water with you. And you look at any town that's built around Australia and they're all built around a water source. You know, we look at um, the great cities. We look at Adelaide. It's got the beautiful River Torrens. Um, although I probably wouldn't recommend drinking Drinking now, you know, we've got to be people that anchor our lives at the well. We've got to be people that say, I've got to live at the well. You know, that well was, uh, that Jacob's well was the whole community was based there because there was a well there. There was water there. You know, why would I anchor my life anywhere else except where I can get living water? Why would the anchor of my life be the footy club? Why would, and it's not a bad place to go. I mean, I do love a good palmy. And whenever I get back to the Sejuna Football Club, um, it's, it's actually really annoying because they've got my photo there from the B-grade premiership in 1998. And, uh, and so I got there and admire it, but they've got my brother's name. So it's a picture of me. My brother didn't even play for Sejuna. He played for Thevenard. I don't know why they've got it anyway. But why would I, I don't anchor my life there. I don't anchor my life uh, at my workplace. I don't anchor my life on my bank accounts. I don't anchor my life on anything else except the love of God. You can't live somewhere, you need to live at the well. This is the anchor. You know, this is what I build my life around. My building blocks of my life, my decisions aren't based around my work. They're not based around my bank balance. My decision whether I'm going to go to church isn't based on whether I feel like it. This is what I do. I come to church. I live at the well. And I can tell you, God is faithful. He is faithful. He's always been faithful. He's walked with me through every season and every journey. You know, if you drive, keep driving down the freeway and you get to Tail and Bend and you've got these massive big gum trees right on the edge of the river... And that's what I want to be. I want to be someone who's planted right on the edge of the river. You know, you could be a, a scrub. You could be a shrub, salt bush, living out in the back blocks of Sejuna, tiny. You know, probably got a snake living in there somewhere. Oh. Or you could be a big gum. You know, a gum that provides shade. A gum that's there for generations. A gum that's providing life to the area around it. I, want, I don't want to just be a, a salt bush. I want to be a gum. I want to be something that puts my roots deep down into the presence of God. The well needs to be the anchor that everything else in our life is built off. You know, the other things in life aren't bad things. Like foot, the footy is awesome. Um, You've you got to look after your bank balance. You've got to make sure you're working. I mean, don't get me wrong. But what happens is these things quite often can become a distraction. You know, John 10.10 10 says that the devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come that you might have life and life to its fullness. You know, the devil doesn't come to us and, and, and just destroy us. Like, it's not like he's shooting bullets at us. He's not trying to... What he does is he distracts us. 
He distracts us. And so you'll be living here at the well, you'll be having a great time and then something will happen and you'll come over here a little bit. You've got to put a bit more time into work, you know, and maybe you need a little drink every now and again on a Saturday just to be able to, you know, calm down and wind down. And so all of a sudden you're working a bit more and maybe you need that drink every now and again on a, on a, on a, on a weeknight. Maybe it then becomes that every night you're having a drink. You're having, you know, maybe, maybe a couple of cans every night or whatever it is. And then, you know, you're working 40 hours, you're working 50 hours. Sometimes you might even have to work Saturday. And when it comes to Sunday, I don't have the energy to go to church. And then life hits. You know, you, the, 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 the crossover from drinking, uh, and I'm, I'm not anti-alcohol in any way, but the crossover from drinking a little bit every now and then to alcoholism is so small. And it happens without you even knowing it. The, the steps away from the well happens. They're so small. And then all of a sudden, you know, it's, it's not like the devil comes and, and then all of a sudden you just find yourself over here. It's a series of small steps. You know, it's a series of little steps. Oh, there's so much going on. I'm just going to miss church this Sunday. Uh, you know, the, the, the kids are driving me crazy. Um, I haven't been able to sleep, so I'm not going to have my quiet time today. You know, and it all adds up. And then all of a sudden, you find yourself so far away from the well that it gives you life. The the devil doesn't want to destroy you just through malicious intent or just through, you know, coming and having someone murder you, you know, the the obvious ways that we think that the devil wants to kill us. But he wants to distract us all the way to damnation. The devil comes to steal, kill and destroy, but I've come that I may have life. And why would I live anywhere else except at the well? The well is where you get life. You know, some of us have dug wells in the past. You've been passionate. You've dug, you've dug, and you felt like I can't dig anymore. And I've got to say, it's time to dig again. It's time to dig again. Three keys to living your life of victory. We need to dig the well. Secondly, we need to live at the well. And thirdly, we need to share the well. And I'll finish with this. If we can get the keys up, that would be fantastic. You know, we have a, we have a natural tendency to lean towards selfishness. Um, you know, to hold things in, to hold things together. And I think that we saw this pretty clearly during the pandemic in the early days when, when, when toilet paper became a scarce commodity. Um, I remember I was, work, I was working um, with Candy actually at, at, at SMG and, and I had to go to the Barossa. And so I left Edwardstown and I stopped at every Foodland and every Woolworths and every Coles uh, in Norwood in Elizabeth, in Manapara, in Gawler, trying to find just one roll. Just one roll of toilet paper. That's all I wanted. Did anyone else have trouble? Maybe I should have come to Mount Barker. Maybe you had the secret stash up here. Yeah, we have that natural in, in, in desire to hold things in, but 1 John 4.12 says, No one has ever seen God, but if we love each other, God lives in us and His love is brought to full expression in us. You know, God's love, agape, is an active love. It's an outworking love. So God's love and isn't brought to full expression unless we're actively loving one another. And John 4.28, it goes on to say in the story, the woman left her water jar beside the well and ran back to the village telling everyone. And history tells us that this woman led one of the first revivals in the early church. That, that whole town, that, that whole area came to faith, they came to know Jesus, that this woman 
was considered equal to the apostles in her influence in that region. And this woman was so great uh, and, so, and worked so hard for the gospel that she got brought before Nero herself, himself and ended up losing her life for her faith. You know, this woman who was an insignificant nobody whose name isn't even recorded, who had five husbands plus you know, an, uh, one that she was living with, this woman who seemed so igni- insignificant was someone that God used in a mighty, powerful way. You know, Noah, when he built the ark, he was a drunk. When David was king, he had an affair. And when Moses was trying to free the people of Israel, he murdered an Egyptian. You know, we all do things and we all, uh, we all feel inadequate. We all feel like we can't do it. We all feel like we're going to give up. But God is calling us to dig again. He's calling us to share the well again. You know, I think about that time and Clemsig AOG and Pastor Andrew Evans was leading the church and I can imagine that you know, there's people that went, went along for the ride and there are people that I see photos even now they pop up and there's just people that are on their knees in prayer you know um, you see them on Facebook every now and then there's ladies and they're just praying and there's men and they're praying in that old building in Clemsig AOG which I drove past on the way here and they're, and they're on their knees and they're crying out for a move of God in the 70s I mean, Influences Church is now one of the biggest churches in, in our country. But, but you look at everything that came out of Influences Church. We look at Planet Shakers, uh, IC Church, Emerge Church, Horizon Church, Faith Church, Public Church under Cameron and Renee Bennett. You know, you think of all the ministries that have come out of that time because people were on their knees praying. You know, God wants to work and move in Mount Barker, but He wants to work and move in your life this morning. And I'd love to pray for us if we can all jump to our feet as we come to a close. That would be fantastic. Why don't we lift our hands to heaven and to where our help comes from. Holy Spirit, we ask for wells of living water. Won't you move, Holy Spirit? Won't you move, Holy Spirit? We need you, Lord God. We need you more than we need a program. We need you more than we need a good job. We need you, Lord God. You are life for every person here today. Won't you touch them with your presence? Won't you touch them with your power? Holy Spirit, you are mighty. You are great. If you're here this morning and you're, and you're dry and you, you feel like your well is empty, why don't we just, why don't you just let, let's, let's just lift our hands. Let's take a moment as Dean plays over us. Holy Spirit. You are great. You are mighty. We choose to dig the wells. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. I don't know everybody here this morning, but maybe this is the first time that you've been in church or the first time that you've experienced anything like this. But maybe God's been digging a well in your heart this morning. 
and he's just dropped a little droplet of of eternity in your heart and you feel like that there's there's more there is there is there's rivers of living water that God wants to pour through your life and maybe you've never invited Jesus to come into your life and be your Lord and Savior you've never opened up your heart in such a way that God can actually pour in those waters but this morning you've got an opportunity is anybody here this morning you just want to open your life up first time you've never done this before you never asked God to be the Lord of your life you've never said Lord I'm so sorry for the way I've lived I am dry, I'm thirsty, but I know that there is life in you. I've heard Pastor Phil speak this morning and there's something about what he said that, that just resonated with me. There were, he was talking life. So is there anyone here this morning You just want to open up your life to Christ and say, Lord, would you come? Would you be my Lord? Would you be my Savior? I want to give my life to you. I'm sorry for the way I've lived. But Lord, from this moment forward, I determined to live for you. Come into my life this morning. Is anyone here this morning? I just want you to put your hand up nice and tall so that I know who I'm praying for. Is anyone here this morning? Just like to give your heart to Christ. Anyone at all? Maybe you just need to rededicate your life. You have, haven't realized it, but you've taken a couple of steps away from the well. You haven't done it intentionally. It's just been life, just been circumstance but you found yourself a little bit of a distance away from the world and you feel God calling you back, saying, come, drink of me this morning. Come, be filled with me this morning. Is there anybody here this morning? You just want to say, Lord, I just want to take this moment and say, forgive me, Father. I just want to take a step towards you. I want to take a step towards you. Is anyone here this morning? Again, I'm just going to ask you to put your hand up. No one looking around. Only me looking, only the Holy Spirit looking. Thank you. Anyone else? Thank you. Anyone else? Any others this morning? Any others this morning? Thank you, Jesus. Heavenly Father, I thank you that you've seen these hands. And Lord, I thank you that they've recognized that there's come a couple of steps away from your presence. Just life has been busy. Life's been tough. Life's been hard. But this morning, I thank you that these people have recognized that place. And I, Father, thank you that you welcome them. That even as there was the prodigal son who went away and there were some steps away from the father, when the father saw that son turn around and coming back towards him, I thank you that the father ran to that son. He ran to him. He ran, and, and this morning, the father runs to you and welcomes you, embraces you, holds you, speaks to you life and restores you. Father, I thank you that you do that for these people here today. And I pray that upon every one of us here today, you'd help us and encourage us to dig those wells. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Can we give Pastor Phil a hand for his message this morning? So good. That's a crack of a message, Phil. Thanks. Uh, Pastor Phil's message will be up on our YouTube channel a little bit later on this afternoon. I would encourage you to watch it again, take notes. Do whatever it is that the Holy Spirit leads you to do in that moment. But it's a, it's a great message and it's one that I certainly have appreciated and, uh, and look forward to. Good word. It's a great word. It's a great word. Well, don't forget next Sunday we've got our water baptism service. 
Uh, it's going to be an, an incredible Sunday. I would encourage you to bring your family, bring your friends, and uh, let's experience uh, just an incredible moment together. But right now, we're going to release everybody. And I just want to say to you, like I normally say every Sunday morning, you've been lit up to light up. You've been transformed to bring transformation. And I pray that you go out and you shine brightly and you live the life of a transformed believer in Christ. As Christ transforms you, you bring that transformation. Amen. Have a great day. God bless you. We'll see you.